Uh, my name is Colleen. I'm a compulsive reader. Thank you, um, Michael, for asking me to speak. Hi, Colleen. Hi, Colleen. It's a pleasure to be here always um, to give back a little bit of what I've gotten. Um, to qualify my abstinence, a uh, date is August 4th, 2002. So I just uh, celebrated 17 years of continuous abstinence. Complete miracle. Um, my top weight that I know was 311 pounds. I've been maintaining about 160 to 170 pound weight loss for probably, I don't know, like 14, 15 years or something like that. Um, and um, for those of you who've heard me talk before, these are my pants, my size 2014s um, that were too tight, but I wouldn't go out and buy a size 26 because why live in reality? Yeah. Um, and um, so my one of the sponsor, my first early sponsors, the one really who saved my life, said, "Keep a piece of your clothing." She said, "If you're ever too tired to work your program, they're waiting for you." So I keep them in my car. Spend <laughs> <laughs> all my time. Yeah. Um, so um, you know, it's it's. Um, I remember when I first came into program and, and I would hear this term of like more will be revealed and that always sounded like a good thing. <laughs> and you know, maybe that was sort of the pink, the pink cloud experience or whatever. I, I never really actually had that. I used to hear people talk about that and I was like, I miss that. Apparently, um, you know, for me it was really just like coming out from underneath a dark and seeming and frightening cloud, really. Um, by the time I came into the rooms, I was very beaten down. Um, and I didn't come in because I wanted to stop overeating. I didn't think that was the problem. In fact, that was actually the thing that saved my life. Um, and it was just, like, what I needed to do to survive. I mean, the problem, as far as I was concerned, was that I was fat, right? See, because if I could just keep eating the way I was eating and not be fat, like, we could figure this out, that wouldn't be the problem. Um, but I didn't, I didn't really think, like... Um, much about how I ate or whatever. I mean, obviously, I wasn't stupid. Like, I knew I was eating too much, and I could not eat too much, but there was no, like, I just wish I could stop doing this. No, it wasn't that. I was just like, I wish I could get out of this, you know? Um, and, you know, there were many, many years preceding that where I was just sort of defeated and was like, okay, I guess this is how it is. I mean, I... I remember I had actually bought a book called Living Large and Loving It, and I read the whole thing and was like, yeah, I'm still not loving it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I actually bought a book on, like, fitness for, like, heavy set people, and I thought, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm actually, like, buying, like, is this what I'm, I'm, you know, sort of surrendering to? Like, ugh, you know. And, you know, there was all kinds of sort of... Um, you know, growing up, like, this notion of, like, I really had great compassion for people because I understood what it was like to be, like, invisible. Strange how you could be so huge and be invisible. But I kind of liked that. Um, and, you know, like, people obviously had certain perspectives on who I was, apparently, according to my weight. Um, it was really interesting when I lost the weight how those perspectives changed. And I was like, whoa. It's a whole other side of, like, relating to people that I had no idea about. And I thought, nobody tells you, you know. Yeah. Um, because we're also physically living in our own reality. We just don't think it's different for anybody else. Um, and if we think it's different, we think it's wrong the way they see it, usually. <laughs> That's where I go. So, um, you know, growing up... Um, 
I I didn't really start to put on weight until I hit puberty. Um, I certainly had an early um, intensity, I would call it. I don't know if it was an addiction at an early age to sugar. Like, that was my thing. Like, I remember hearing things like, don't tell Colleen where the regular soda is. Because it was only during holidays where my family would buy that stuff. And so, once I found out where they hid it, like, I was like, oh, yeah. You know, like, I had, like, three of the cans before Thanksgiving. Oops, what happened to it, you know? Um, And, you know, but it was so interesting because there were a lot of ways that my family didn't say anything, like how it was that, like, all the cookies always disappeared and stuff. And, and of course, by the time I... um, I reached an age where I could drive, like, I could just go out and buy stuff, you know, and then I, I drove, um, usually my father's car, I didn't have my own car, and he, um, he had this big dumpster outside his workshop, which is right against the carport, and so I would dump all the trash in that before I went in the house, because God forbid I bring it in the house, because then my mother would have something to say, because she was going to look in the trash can and see the wrappers, um, and, you know, my mom has her own, like, whatever body image issues, um, because it was always about my tummy, and I was like, I don't, like, what's the problem, you know, and I think she brought me to, to wear a girdle thing at, like, I don't know, 10 or something. I remember I was, I was about that age when we went to Weight Watchers for the first time, <laughs> and I was, I was like, you know, of course, I never actually got angry, but I was pissed. I was like, so let's get this straight. Okay. I'm here with all these old people, right? Yeah, they're probably in their 20s, but, like, you know, when you're 10, that's old. And and now i got to eat like this, like things like cottage cheese and tuna fish. I mean, I like tuna fish, but, yeah, with mayo and everything else. And I was like... So that I can be super different, because I already feel really different, that I can't just go and eat pizza when my friends eat pizza. Well, I don't like this. And then the scale was, like, on the other side of the wall, you know, like you walked behind the wall and stuff, and I hated it. And I mean, I, you know, my mom didn't stick with it very long, thank God, because then I didn't have to go anymore. And, um... But it definitely set up this notion of, like, there's something wrong with my body. And I was already on this... Um, track of being afraid of my own body and feeling like it had betrayed me. There was some really nasty stuff that happened when I was much younger um, than when I hit puberty, and it's consequently shaped a lot of my perspective and a lot of healing and stuff for me has um, occurred because of that, thank God. Um, but it really shifted my focus into, like, this is the enemy. So I'm sure that was something behind, you know, all the, you know, like, one does not um, hurt themselves with food if they're not trying to hurt themselves. And the interesting thing about food is that it gave me the illusion that, like, it was under control. The only thing that wasn't under control was the body. But I do remember, like, at a fairly young age, you know, at holiday time, we could, the kids could have some alcohol. And I remember taking a few sips of wine going, yeah, I think I like this a little too much. I should probably stay away from this. But I also immediately felt this sort of, like, relaxation of stuff. And I was like, mm-hmm. like that, you know, when I, there weren't um, any 
alcoholics in my immediate family, but, you know, you see movies and stuff, and I was like, clearly that's out of control, right? As if, like, blowing up isn't out of control. But, like, it's a whole different thing because people just sort of look the other way when you're fat. But, like, if you're driving drunk or, like, you're killing people or something, that's a whole other story. Like, then... Because I had such a fear of authority and of you not approving of me, that just wouldn't have worked, you know. And so the food continued to work. Um, and I'm really grateful that it did because if it had stopped working, I would have gone to other modes. You know, I remember fairly early on in my recovery, I was sitting in an AA meeting and this woman was sharing about um, how she worked as a prostitute and a stripper and, you know, this was the road that her alcoholism took her down. And I remember sitting there going, I totally get that. And if I had drunk, that's probably exactly where I would have gone. But, like, I did, like, the reverse. Like, I just turned it inward, you know. Um, I was really angry. I was really... I had lots of feelings in which there was no space to actually feel them. And, um, you know, so I just stuffed them down. And then eventually I would need food to keep them down. Um, it also created this very um, handy, illusory feeling of being protected because I could let you in as close as possible, never have to say, I'm sorry, I'm not comfortable with that, or please don't come near me, because I could let you in, but I didn't feel anything. Because, you know, when you got all that extra padding, it works really well. Um, so by the time that I, I came into recovery, I... It was a, at a moment where I was like, okay, this whole thing here is not working. And I came in, and um, I'd never, I think I'd gone to a 12-step meeting once in college um, when I was on my way up. And I remember there was a woman there who was talking about going home for Thanksgiving, and she was worried about she, what she was going to eat. And then this other woman was talking about her food, and I was like, I think about it all the time, like, I don't need to be here for this. So I was like, this was fascinating. So I left. And, um, and when I came back in um, in the, the summer of 2002, I think it was July, um, I was just like, I didn't know where else to go. Um, there was a counselor that I was seeing at the time, and she said something to me about thinking I would like the sort of camaraderie or something, which I thought was funny because I was like, right. Yeah, that's real. A bunch of people talk about stuff, and um, and I went. My first meeting was uh, at a meeting in the park in the valley where I live, and um, and there was an anorexic woman who was sharing. And I thought, sweetheart, not eating is not my problem. Like, I, you know, there was a time in my life and I thought it'd be better if that was the case, and it's so not true. Um, but you know, like, it always seems like better options. Um. And, but she sat with me after the meeting, because I was the newcomer, and she, she said, well, she said, I would recommend you go to six meetings before you decide if this is for you. She said, because people have different stories and stuff like that, and I was like, okay, you know, I can do that. And so, well, the thing about me is when I make a decision to do something, I make a decision to do something. So the next morning I went to Serenity Sunday, and then I went to a meeting Sunday night in the Valley, and at that point, I walked in the room, and they had these 12 steps on the wall, and I was like, oh, there's, like, God and, like, all those things. And I was like, that's interesting. And I had a relationship with God. I just didn't have God have anything to do with my, my mm -hmm. body or my food because, you know, 
God's busy, right? Why does God care about that stuff? And um, so I was like, well, this is interesting. And and I I got the sense when I hear people share, like, oh, oh, that's a thing? Oh, okay. You know, like, oh, we're not supposed to be doing that? Like, oh. And I started to see some of the similar patterns, and I was like, okay. And I went to a meeting Monday night, and I think I went to a meeting Tuesday night, and at that point I was like, well, now we're at six, and I was like, I think this is where I belong. And so I'm a really good rule follower, so I found a sponsor, and um, we established an abstinence, which is similar to what my abstinence is today. So my abstinence is three meals a day, nothing in between, um, two optional snacks. The snack is defined as a piece of fruit. And that's where it started, um, because I needed to not eat. I needed to have periods where I wasn't eating. Because um, even if I'm not eating my alcoholic foods, which I added on later, um, if I'm eating all day long, that's not, I go another place when I eat. Like, everything's great during lunch, and then it ends, and I'm sad, you know. Like, <laughs> the difference is I'm not eating something where I'm like, I want six more of those, you know. Where I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, but, you know, my, my brain still thinks, like, um, oh, food will fix this, you know, like, oh, yeah. And so... Then eventually I started to add things to my abstinence, like triggers up my five minutes. Thank you. Um, like, um, what is it? I think I call it blatant sugar. People call it recreational sugar. That sort of sounds like it's having a party. <laughs> it's not really that fun. But, anyways. Um, and then there were other specific things that I added. If you want to ask me after the meeting, I'm happy to share that with you. Um, over time, things got added. And basically, you know, we started working the steps, and then, of course, I didn't call her, so that didn't work. Um, so I got a second sponsor who took me a little bit further. She was the one who helped me um, get off of sugar, which was a big game changer for me. And then and then I got my third sponsor, who was the woman really who took me through the steps and had me get really aligned with, like, okay, so what are you putting in your body? And, and at that point, that was a year of abstinence, I was like, I'm ready to let this weight go. Like, because it was clear to me that what I thought it was doing, it wasn't doing. And so I made a decision. You know, it talks about in Chapter 5. It says, if you have decided that you won't only have and are willing to go to any lengths to get it, you know, then you are ready to take certain steps. So I made the decision, like, all right, whatever it takes, I'm going to do this. And it, I wasn't there when I first walked in the rooms, and I'm glad that I stuck around for a year and had some kind of sense of, of an abstinence because that really helped. And because I knew this was a safe enough place. I'd spent my whole life not feeling safe, and that was a really important thing for me to have some sense of safety, although I didn't even understand that at the time. And so recovery today is just, you know, more will be revealed, right? So as, as time goes on and the weight comes off and all the adjustments of, like, living as a, a regular-sized person in the world, um, learning how to use my voice because I don't have my body to do that for me anymore, how to have difficult conversations, I mean, all the things they talk about in the promises, like learning how to handle things that used to baffle you. I mean, like, everything baffled me. So, like, but the 12 steps really is, like, my guiding post. And whenever I find myself in a space where I'm unsure, what do I do? It's, like, that's where I go. Like, okay, so 
if I were to, you know, clearly this is something that I am powerless over or is unmanageable in my life. So, you know, what do I, well, first I need to admit that. Okay, then I need to believe that God can show up in a way, whatever that looks like, that will be there for me, um, and that I'm willing to surrender to that. And then I just take the next indicated step. And, you know, so much of my life when I was in the disease was about, like, imagining things and this could happen. But there was no no real quality to it because it was just a safe place to be in my head, you know, because the reality I was facing was just too horrid. Um, and so the thing about the 12 steps that I'm so so grateful for is that they give me a way of like getting through the day and like being a decent human being and you know acknowledging that I have feelings and no they are not facts but I need to recognize them you know I heard this great expression once um you know feelings are like children you don't put them in the trunk you don't put them in the driver's seat so you know, I need to have them in the car, but they shouldn't be driving the car, and stuffing them, you know, only leads to death, clearly, literally and figuratively, um, as far as I'm concerned. And, um, you know, it was funny, I was reading something about, like, having life goals and plans and stuff, and I was like, yeah... Sure. You know, like, I don't know. I mean, like, literally my life is taking me down a road that I never thought I would be on professionally, um, in relationships and everything. Like, I couldn't have planned this trajectory if I tried. What I do know is that I feel the way that I always wanted to feel. You know, when I had imaginations of, like, what life would be like and what I would experience... I guess there was some internal knowing that I would feel a sense of peace within myself, that I would be able to look myself in the mirror and not be ashamed of what I saw or hate what I saw. And um, that living this 12 steps gives that to me. And that's priceless as far as I'm concerned, you know. I don't know if I can handle everything that comes my way, but I don't have to know that. I just have to be willing to show up for it you know, and turn to God and whatever my understanding of God is and say, show me what you want me to do here, you know, and I'll just wrap up with this part of, um, you know, my daily prayer and meditation practice includes um, a letter that I write to God where I turn over my abstinence and everything and my ideas and um, and one of the last things I write is, P.S. Lord, use me. And I have no idea what the hell that's going to look like. Um, but I don't have to, you know. Like, I figure if it's a life well spent, then when I, you know, pass on or whatever, like, all right, not too bad. So, anyways, thank you for letting me share. Thank you. Uh, this is a time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions I share with you today are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Um, is somebody going to let me know when it's 9.35 or...
fair amount of time, 15, 17 years. What do you find uh, is the thing that seems to drop off out of your program or the thing that you find you, you're resistant in working on and it just keeps coming back and saying, oh, i got to address that again? Um, the thing that I keep needing to come back and address. Um, I'm pretty hard and driven on myself. Um, probably the thing, maybe along those lines, would be not to take myself so damn seriously. Really, like, um, probably a willingness to like make mistakes and do things wrong. Um, you know, me continually finding my voice in people that I interact with. You know. Um, is probably one of the bigger things, kind of like figuring out, um, like where where it's okay to speak up, where it's not okay to speak up. Because I did a lot of just keeping really quiet, um, and then when I do speak out, I feel like uh oh, like, and I want to over apologize or or just like relationships are just murky. Like, what is that? You know, like, um, and. Yeah, so I don't know if that really answers your question, but yeah. Yes? Uh, you mentioned that you write a letter to your higher power. Mm -hmm. um, how else do you communicate to your higher power, and how do you feel it communicates back to you? Do you have it like, do you write a letter to your higher power yourself, or do you ask a question, mm -hmm. when it's like any kind of decision, whether it's like where to go to be, or what to do? Sure. Yeah. So how do I connect with my higher power? So every way to Sunday and then some. Um, I pretty much open it up. Like my um, once in a while I'll have like God will write back to me. I don't do that very often. Once I do ask lots. I'm constantly chattering. I mean, I'm sure God's just like here she goes again. Um, you know, like I will, I'll ask questions or like help me to see this differently or whatever. And then like God shows up on a tree or in the smile of somebody, like or in some random like weird like channeling thing that I went to one time or whatever. Like I, I, I learned that my best bet is to not try and define God and let God be God, you know. And that that gives God the freedom to show up, however. So, yeah, like, I mean, especially early on in program, like, God, please help this be enough. I swear to God, it's not going to be enough because I'm eating the whole time. Like, it's not going to be enough. you got to help it be enough. And then all of a sudden, the fork goes down. All of a sudden, it's done. Uh, I'm like, wow, well, <laughs> what do you know? It's enough. Um, oh, another one early on was God come between me and the food before the food comes between me and, and you. That was a big one. Um, you know, I remember I was, I was, um, coming out of the gym one morning and I was like feeling weird about my body and I thought oh great here we go and then and so I just stopped as I got to my car and went alright God how would you how do you see my body and then in that moment like the word functional came to mind and I was like functional <laughs> not like sexy or exciting or like vibrant like functional and I was like, that's how I knew it wasn't me, right? Because that's so boring. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, but wait a second. Like, it's it's functioning really well. Like, all systems are functioning, and I've had experiences when they weren't, so super grateful for that. And then, like, I'm walking, I'm breathing, I'm moving. I was like, holy cow. 
wow. Like, that's amazing. For all that I've done to this body, that it's functioning, wow, okay, ah, it's a good word, you know, like, so I, I just have all of experiences like that. Um, I'm constantly reading and, and um, listening to conversations about people's different understandings of spirituality. I actually studied religious studies in college because I was fascinated by the subject. Um, so I'm always, you know, curious about other people's understandings. I actually have a blog that I write every day that I call my daily date with God, um, which is just about my reflections on spirituality um, and, you know, different understandings of God. And so, like, it's just about everything, really. Yes. You said um, sugar was a game, like, didn't have to be Sure. It was horrible. <laughs> I literally was like, oh, my God. Like, you know, for weeks, that, that withdrawal period was just horrid. Um, the biggest thing for me was I actually, I guess I didn't technically have to because it wasn't food, but, like, I used to drink lots of regular soda. So, like, it, you know, I'm used to having it coursing through my veins. And um, I, you know, I remember, like, keeping my, my books, my literature nearby because I would read it. Um my sponsor at the time um, coined this phrase for, you know, she talked about how in the seventh step we have to pain is the admission of Christ in your life, so she said fight for your rights to be uncomfortable. So that would be my mantra, like, all day long, fighting for your rights to be uncomfortable. You know, it's going on in my head, I'm having conversations with people. Um, and, you know, eventually that, that ended. It wasn't like that forever and ever. And um, I had a very calming experience. And it got really quiet, and I was like, oh, this is different, you know. And that's really what kept me from going back. Um, I, I had agreed with my sponsor at the time to do it for, um, I think it was like 40 days, because Lent was starting and at the time, and that was part of my practice. And um, so at the end of the 40 days, I had some, and it felt like such crap. Like, I felt all of it for the first time, like, going through my body, and I was like, oh, my God, all the years that I just pummeled this stuff in and didn't think about it, and I was like, I'm so sorry. And so that was really what what made me decide not to go back to it, and then it went on my abstinence. Because um, I just, it was clear, like, I was hurting myself with that. Um, and... It's, I think it took a couple of years, really, before it fully went out of my system, because I remember just moments of crying, and I'm like, what? you know, like, I just, I could feel things, because I wasn't so numbed out, you know? And then there was the added benefit of, like, did you know that, like, food is sweet? And, like, fish actually tastes good? Like, because my, my tongue was so numb. Like, I didn't know how things tasted. I would add stuff, you know? And it's like... Um, it was just amazing to me. Um, and so now when, because every once in a while, like if I walk into 7-Eleven to get a drink or something, there'll be like the Susie Q's in the corner and they're like, hey, what's happening, you know, or, or something like that. And what I've learned is um, like that's just, I'm having feelings, thanks for letting me know. Like whenever the food calls or I start to trip on like body image or something like that, um, it just means I'm having feelings, and my brain is wired to go, this will solve it, right? So I just go, okay, 
Thanks for letting me know. Like I don't, you know, it talks about the doctor's opinion that, that when we're in the disease and we're captured by the obsession and the allergy that we can't differentiate the true from the false. So being abstinent allows me to know like that's the false thing that says this is what you need. No, what I need to do is attend to what's going on inside of me. And so for me, like sugar continues to be like, I don't, it doesn't happen that often, but once in a while it pops up and you know, like something's dancing or whatever, like calling my name, you know, and I'm like, thanks for calling. We've done this before. We broke up, but I wish you the best of luck. And, and then I tend to like what's going on in here. So I hope that answers your question. Yes. Hey, um, thank you for your sharing. My question is, do you weigh yourself? I do. Oh, sorry. So, um, or if not, whatever. If, do you use the scale as a reality check? for like body dysmorphia, like feeling bigger than you are, smaller than you are. Yeah, so I do weigh once a week. Um, I still don't like it, but I do it. Um, and yeah, it's just about a, a reality check. Um, so that, you know, it gives me a gauge like, okay, how I'm operating with my food is, you know, working here. Um, and, and yeah, it's helpful like when I think I'm either bigger or smaller. I rarely think I'm smaller than I am, but <laughs> Um, you know, because it, it doesn't really care how I'm feeling. Like, I just get on and it gives me a number, you know. And when I learned that it wasn't, it was information, not ammunition, that was super helpful. Um, and I report that to my sponsor as well as when I commit my food and stuff like that. So, yeah, I do it once a week because it's a good gauge for it to keep me in reality. Yes. Thanks, Colleen. <coughs> so... What do you do? Um, has God ever um, not done it the way you think it should be done? Um, for example, one person stuff going on, and, uh, and if there was a loving God, He wouldn't allow this stuff to be going on. I mean, I can do it with personal life, politics. Mm-hmm. My head will go back to I don't like what's going on. Mm-hmm. What happened to the loving God? Right. Interesting. Um, I don't know that I, I term it as like God's not being loving if God's not doing things the way I want them done. Because <laughs> like, I, I just, I laugh when I think, well, I know better than God. I'm like, you know, I still, as a great thing I think of all the time, there was this TV show once where this girl's having this conversation with God, and he's like this teenage guy, random, but anyways. And she's like, well, if you're God, then like, create a miracle. So it points to a tree. And she's like, so? And he's like, you grow, you know, like, like it, you know what I mean? Like, there's so much stuff going on. Um, and, you know, typically where I find myself, first of all, I allow myself to get angry at God because I figure, well, I have the feeling God gave it to me. God can handle it. So that, like, if I'm pissed off or whatever, I let God know, listen, I don't like this. This sucks, you know. Um, I don't stay there for too long because it's pretty painful. Um, and then I just say, all right, help me to see this differently. You know, show me how you see this. Because I'm, you know, in, in tier, I'm like, I don't, I don't get, the, I don't see this, I don't like this. So you must be seeing something I'm not seeing. So anytime you want to clue me in, <laughs> I'm ready. You know, that's usually what that conversation is like. So I think it's my time or? Uh, you go and 
One minute. Yes, let me come Coming from a trauma background, you lost the way to start having relationships. Did you? What did that look like? Did you know that help? Did you apply the twelve steps? Any comfort? Yeah, it is a load. Okay, so so yes, I used outside help. You know, when they talk about that big book, like sometimes you need outside help. I avail myself to that. And yeah, there's a lot of stuff that came out. I just handled one thing, you know, the next indicated thing. Um, and you know, there are times I was on the phone with my sponsor and I was like, I can't do this. And she's like, you, you know, you don't have to, because I'm like, put, I don't know, I'm going to get farther, you know. And she's like, um, when you, you'll know you're done when you're dead. So, you know, cause I, I'm always like, am I in a hurry to what? Like, so my grave says, she got all the things down on her to-do list. Like, um, you know, like she cleared the, the plate entirely. Like, I don't, you know, I don't mean literally the plate. I mean, like, the, the okay, whatever. Obviously, I'm a compulsive reader. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the plate is clear or something like that. Um, so, I, I guess... The, the quickest way to, to say that would be yes, I've used outside help. Yes, it's very helpful. Um, I always bring it back to does this seem in alignment with the 12 steps, whatever it is, whatever that outside help looks like. And if it does, then I, I go with it because there's lots of all varieties out there. And um, I've, I've learned, like, is this taking me to a place where I'm, I'm more connected to my higher power or less connected, and that's usually that I go with the one where I feel more connected. So. All right, thank you. <laughs>